And Father God, this night we want to thank you that we can come at the foot of your cross, Lord, and just sit at your feet, Lord. And as, uh, as hungry and as anxious children, Lord God, we seek the great and wonderful gifts that you have for us, the gift of peace and the gift of rest, Lord, the gift of your love, Lord, your grace and your mercy towards us, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you have so graciously showered upon us, Lord, all the things, all the blessings, all the fullness of your joy, Lord, and all the spiritual blessings that you have for us. We thank you, Lord. We praise you for your faithfulness and love, Lord. We thank you for the ability and the freedom we have to gather in your name and to worship you, Lord. And what a blessing it is, Lord, to be a people of worship, Lord, to come and worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. And we thank you that we can come and kiss towards you, Lord, with our very hearts, our minds, or all of our strength, Lord. We uh, turn towards you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, that we can, uh, uh, again, just lay the distractions of the day down, Lord, all the distractions of this world, Lord, and just come and enter your presence with thanksgiving and with praise. We thank you for blessing the time that we've had to lift our vo voices and our hearts to you, Lord, and now we pray that we continue to worship you through the study of your word, Lord, and we do confess that we enjoyed all the sweet fellowship before the service, all the great talking story and just catching up and uh, what you're doing, what you're cooking, oh, what we did when we were kids. Uh, funny, the craziest subjects we talk about, Lord, as we fellowship in you, Lord, but we thank you for the blessing. We thank you for just the time you give us that we can set apart unto you. Well, we pray now, Lord, again, you bless our time as we study, uh, worship you through the study of the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Even as we sang that song, guys, amen, amen. So be it, Lord, so be it. Uh, what a great God you are. Praise the Lord. Good to see you guys. And uh, it's even greater to be here with you folks tonight. Just a reminder, the... Uh, uh, Calvary Chapel Association Pastors uh, Pacific Pastors Leaders Church Workers Conference is happening on Saturday, August 22nd. We're going to be viewing uh, the conference here at the chapel uh, beginning at 8 o'clock, and it's going to run to about 4 in the afternoon. We want to just invite everybody to come on out, and uh, the chapel here in uh, downtown will be providing some refreshments, but all are encouraged to bring some food to share if you'd like, but should be a great time, a wonderful time of worship and teaching. I know that we have a dynamite lineup of pastors uh, on view for this uh, special event. Uh, again, uh, uh, along with that, you know, we're we having this, uh, 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 this, this conference, really, it's not live. We wanted to have it live, but uh, with the COVID upturn and the things going around in the world, uh, numbers are spiking up all over the place. And, uh, you know, our leaders all over the nation, really, are, some in, are in shutdown mode. And uh, tough times, guys, as jobs disappear, benefits are run out. And a lot of people in fear and flux, you know, kids out of school and... Uh, uh, but we, we ought to be ready to minister to those in need around us. You know, it could be at the grocery store. It could be at the doctor's office. So, you know, if you uh, stay six feet away, we can uh, pray for them or minister to them. But whatever it might be, uh, we serve a God who promised us never to leave us or forsake us, you know. And in him is hope and in him alone. And, you know, this is the hope and the, uh, the reason uh, that we have to... Uh, 
uh, to uh, to share you know this good news with those around us. So be be prepared to share, church, and expect that uh, you know spiritual warfare where uh, warfare will ramp up because uh, definitely the enemy doesn't like uh, uh, any opportunity that the Lord uh, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ might be proliferated and shared. Uh, amongst the people but we're going to continue in our study through genesis 30 uh genesis the book of genesis guys and uh we recall last week's study where laban put us in switcheroo on uh jacob guys uh that was uh that was in chapter 29 and uh jacob uh uh uh, Laban, you know, that dirty, rotten guy that he was, you know, he put a switcheroo on Jacob, uh, uh, allowing him to marry Leah instead of Rachel. You know, he had said that, hey, I'm going to serve you for seven years for your, your younger daughter, Rachel. And on the wedding night, uh, I think that uh, Jacob had a few glasses of wine in him and, and Laban just slipped the older daughter, Leah, into uh, the wedding suite. And uh, the marriage really was consummated between Leah and Jacob, but his engagement to Rachel had been for seven years, and but in total he served a total of fourteen years because he told Laban he says yeah, I'll serve you another seven years because you know I really want to marry your daughter Rachel, but marrying both Rachel and her sister Leah, and we pick up our study tonight in chapter twenty nine verse uh, thirty one, chapter twenty nine thirty one. Now Leah, uh, the Lord saw Leah was unloved, and she opened her womb, but uh, Rachel was barren. Much of the time, guys, uh, here in the Bible, a lot in the Old Testament, we see God using childbirth as a way of getting people's attention. And childbirth was such an important matter in the times of both the Old and the New Testament. Really, the, I, I think the, uh, the, uh, 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 the peoples of old, the Jews and the, the Hebrews, really, they took God's word to heart that they should be married and they should multiply and be fruitful and so on and so forth. But, you know, we lived in a world, they lived in a world of a agrarian society where children were a blessing and a benefit, not only to be uh, uh, working out on the farm or to tend the sheep or whatever it might be. They become those that, you know, uh, the family unit uh, 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 were blessed by, by the, the number of kids and uh, uh, Childbirth, again, was that important part in these times. With Abram and Sarai, God's promise for a son uh, was a point of great testing of faith and patience. Remember, the Lord had promised Abram a child many years before, and, and you know, they were both elderly. Abram and uh, Sarah were both elderly, and they still had no child. And, you know, their faith was sorely tested, and they gave in uh, to that temptation of saying, hey, take my, take my handmaiden Hagar and, you know, have some children to her because I don't think I'm going to have any kids. And, you know, uh, again, we know what happened with that when we try and help God out. But uh, it just didn't uh, work out that, you know, Abram and Sarai were waiting for the child of promise. And again, it be became a great point of testing and, and of patience and, you know, giving into that temptation of saying, hey, we got to help God out. Uh, with Manoah and Samson. Remember uh, Samson's mother Manoah, she was barren also. But the Lord would bless this barren woman with a son who would help bring relief uh, for Israel from the Philistines. You know, Samson judged uh, at a time when the Philistine nation was hot and heavy 
against them. Here uh, in the book of Genesis, we hear of the Philistines and uh, in the land of Canaan, but in the time of the judges, the Philistines had really come on and been a, been a real uh, thorn in the flesh to the, the children of Israel, guys. But uh, again, uh, Manoah again was that barren woman. Remember, she was in the temple praying, and the priest said that, hey, are you... Uh, are you um, are you drunk or what? Because you know she th uh, he thought that she was drunk, kind of just mumbling to herself. But she was really asking the Lord for a child. Uh, for Naomi, uh, whose daughter-in-laws had both uh, no children, yet God's faithfulness would bring a son born to her daughter-in-law Ruth through a kinsman redeemer by the name of Boaz, and from uh, from this union would come. David, you know, the really one of the cornerstones of the nation of Israel, guys. To the a barren woman named Elizabeth, the wife of a priest by the name of Zacharias, whose petitions for a son were heard by the Lord. Hey, they were both elderly too. And uh, they, they had been praying for many years, waiting on the Lord for a son. And there would come a son, the forerunner of Jesus, when the spirit and the power of Elijah would turn back the hearts of the fathers to their children, the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord, uh, this one being John the Baptist, guys, who would herald the coming of the Lord. And uh, again, uh, 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 in, in the biblical times, a childbirth was really important to have kids, was a real blessing. Not to have kids, there was a stigma really attached to that. And it was like, hey, why is God withholding that blessing? And I think that many of these women felt that way. And I think that uh, indeed, uh, uh, Rachel felt that way. You know, God saw that Leah was unloved and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. We note that these two wives were in uh, a competition for affection and Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. And we see uh, here though that the Lord, uh, blessed Leah with children and without from Rachel. We, we don't understand what the Lord's uh, reasoning is, but we just know that this is what happened. Leah conceived and bore a son, and uh, his name was, uh, it was named Reuben, for she said, because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband would love me. You know, here was a woman, she was married, living in the same household, with her husband, yet she was one that felt so unloved. And uh, the Hebrew uh, word for uh, 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 this, uh, this, this one uh, named Reuben really uh, uh, sounds like uh, he has seen my misery. And can you imagine that here this lady, this poor lady, she, she was married and you know living under the same roof with her husband, but she was really in misery and agony because she felt uh, so, uh, unloved by him. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me a son also. So she named this son Simeon. And uh, it's, it, the, the, the name Simeon is probably one who heard, or in other words, the Lord has heard me. He's blessed me with another son and he's blessed me because he's seen my misery and he's seen my, uh, my uh, in affection by my husband. In 34, she conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. And therefore she named him Levi. And uh, the rivet, uh, Levi is derived from the Hebrew word for attached. And you know, she felt such a disconnect from her husband. She, saw, she felt so unconnected. 
And uh, in uh, the story of the Bible, we see so many in, uh, scenarios, guys, and we cannot explain why God's people would be doing this to one another. But we know that hey, when you have two wives, uh, that's probably one too many to begin with. You know? <laughs> that's all we can handle. God's given us enough grace for one wife. And, and you know, here was the, you know, this poor lady was getting the short end of the stick. She, she was miserable. The Lord, the Lord is not listening. Uh, uh, he hasn't heard. And, 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 and now I'm, I'm telling him, well, yeah, I'm unattached. I'm disconnected from the relationship with my husband. In 35, he said, she conceived again and bore a son. This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she named him Judah and she stopped bearing. You know, I, I, I read this passage many, many times over in the past uh, week and a half or week, two weeks or whatever it is, but I've read it over and over and over and it really dawned on me. Though Leah, uh, uh, though Leah uh, yearned for Jacob's love, it seems like she may have come to a place right here where she thought, I'm just going to praise the Lord. You know, she didn't care. She, she said to herself, Lord, you love me. Lord, you've blessed me. You've given me these beautiful kids and I, these children. And, you know, I, I'm going to stop complaining and grumbling. And, you know, probably she, she was murmuring in her heart you know, complaining uh, to the Lord. And she says, hey, I'm going to stop. I'm just going to praise the Lord. Uh, things might not be perfect or to my liking. And you know, a lot of times we're like that as human beings, man or woman, young or old, child, whatever it might be. Hey, things might not be just the way I want it to be. It's not to my liking. But God is faithful. He has blessed. You know, and, and uh, I, I think that what a wonderful place that she's come to, and what a wonderful uh, 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 portion of scripture to my heart that, you know, no matter how, what she went through, she said, I'm just going to praise the Lord. And uh, I, I, th I thought that, wow, what an attitude that is. And, and so much of, so many times we as Christians do, we might be complainers, we might be grumblers, we might be murmuring in our hearts and full of complaint or whatever because things aren't perfect, things aren't to my liking. And I said, you know, if we can just come to that place, Lord, you're so faithful. Lord, you've rescued me. You've given me life. You've forgiven me. I have eternal life and hope in you. Why should I complain? Why should I grumble? Why should I do this or that? Why should I question your faithfulness? And uh, again, uh, 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 in chapter 30, when uh, Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, uh, she became jealous of her sister, and she said to Jacob, Give me children, or else I die. Can you just imagine this poor Jacob? <laughs> uh, 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 then Jacob's anger burned against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God, who has withheld you the fruit of the womb? And when, when, uh, within the home, guys, there was strife. Uh, within the home, you find two sisters competing for the love of their one husband. One jealous of the other, becoming embittered. Her husband now angered with all the bickering and all the whining and all the crying and all the complaining and all the demanding, give me children. And, you know, he snapped and his anger burned. And, you know, it's like that, that anger was burning. It was being built up. And, uh, 
you know, throughout several years, this must have been going on. And he just snapped and says, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not God, you know. And she said, here is my maid, Bilia, go into her that you might bear on my knees. She might bear on my knees, and though through her I too may have children. And uh, so she gave him uh, her maid, and Bill, Bill has his wife, and Jacob went into her. Bill conceived and bore Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God has vindicated me. Has given and has given uh, has indeed heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she named him Dan. That that word Dan is he is vindicated. And and what she was saying in his heart was that hey, all the bitterness, all the suffering, all the jealousy I felt, all the longing, and the yearning within me to have a child has now been has now reached the ears of the Lord and he has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. So Rachel's maid, Bilia, conceived again and she bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel said with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and I have indeed prevailed. She named him Naphtali. And uh, really uh, this, this, uh, this word Naphtali, is she named him Naphtali, it says, uh, uh, my struggle you know god has heard of my struggle and what a what a thing yeah you name your son my struggle and what a what a, what a thing it is that uh, many of these uh, names uh, he has seen my misery hey what's your name oh he's seen my misery <laughs> what's your name oh uh uh uh, uh I'm, I'm disconnected i'm this i was disconnected but now i'm attached and you know uh i really love judah Praise the Lord, you know, praise the Lord. But uh, great is my great con competition within the home, says uh, Rachel. Uh, God has seen my struggle. Uh, Leah's uh, made Zilpha board Jacob uh, a son, and Leah said, how fortunate. So she named him Gad, and uh, 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 she named him Gad. And again, uh, Gad is saying, I have good fortune, or a troop is coming. I don't know what it is. It's uh, it could be derived with two uh, uh, definitions: uh, good fortune or a troop is coming. I I think I believe it's uh, probably God has seen, given me good fortune. In 12 and 13, uh, Leah's made uh, Zilpah board Jacob a second son, and happy I am, and people will, uh, will call me happy. So she named him uh, Asher, and uh, again, uh, his name simply means happy. And I remember growing up as a kid, there was a guy that, he wasn't such a happy guy, but his name was Happy. They gave, somebody gave him the nickname Happy, and he was rather strict and sarcastic at times, but uh, uh, his name was Happy. And I don't know, if I, I hope that uh, 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 the second son was Happy, this one called Asher. Now in the days of the wheat harvest, Reuben went out and found mandrakes in the field and brought them into his mother. Please give me, and Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to him, uh, is it a small matter for you to take my husband? And would you take my son's mandrakes also? How do you like that? You know, she's saying you take my, hus uh, my, my husband, now you want to take my son's mandrakes. And uh, uh, Rachel said, therefore he may lie with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. And you kind of think that, wow, my husband is being bought and sold, this poor Jacob. 
uh, for a handful of mandrakes. And when Jacob came in from the field in the evening, when Leah went out to meet him <coughs> and said, you must surely come into me for my, uh, I have hired you uh, with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night and God gave heed to Leah and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. And Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have gave, I gave my maid to my husband. So she named his, uh, his name Ishashar. Ishashar. And uh, again, his name uh, Ishashar sounds like the Hebrew word for reward. Reward. God has given me my reward in my son Ishashar. And Leah... Uh, uh, Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have, bo I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulon. And uh, again, Zebulon simply means honor. And I think uh, within the heart of this lady, Leah, she really just desired that her husband would love her and honor her and cherish her. And you know, as, as uh, convicting as it might be, you know, that we would love, honor, and cherish, you know, our mates and so on. You know, this is her, the longing in her heart that she would just have acceptance from her husband. She did everything. I'm sure she took care of the home and did real good with the kids and probably worked hard in the fields or with the, the flocks or whatever it might be, but uh, she had her own Sunday school going with the kids. And uh, yet the longing in her heart was that her husband would, would love her and cherish her and honor her. And uh, 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 afterwards, uh, afterwards, she bore a daughter and named her Dinah. And, uh, and God remembered Rachel and gave heed to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. She named him Joseph, saying, May the Lord give me another son. And, you know, here after all these years, uh, uh, her sister had borne six sons to, uh, to her husband Jacob. And now all of a sudden the Lord remembered uh, uh, Rachel. And, you know, God, does God forget? Does God forget, guys? You know, sometimes we think, hey, God, did you hear me? Have you forgotten what I said or what I asked? And God, you know, God doesn't sleep or slumber. He doesn't, you know, forget. And, and he remembers all things. And God remembered Rachel and gave heed. And at that proper time, he, she, he opened up her womb. And uh, Joseph's name meaning, may he add, may he add. And I think that uh, uh, it's almost prophetic that may he add to my family. May he add to the blessings of uh, what you have already blessed us with, God. <coughs> the blessings of the promise. And, you know, maybe not fully realizing uh, all the blessings that God had promised uh, to, uh, to their family and, and uh, her husband's forefathers. 25, and it came about when Rachel had born Joseph that Joseph said to Laban, send me away that I might go to my own place. Uh, and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom uh, uh, I have served you and let me depart for you yourself know my service with which I have rendered to you. Jacob, for whatever, whatever reason, feels a yearning to go back home. And after all these years of being away from his hometown and his family, 
he feels now feels a yearning. It's a time. It, it's time to go home. Perhaps his wives and fam uh, with his wives and families and children. Uh, uh, there was now time to leave and to journey back to the land of Canaan. There was a yearning within his heart. Uh, his mother's last words to him was, stay with him, Laban, she's talking about Laban, for a few days. And now a few days had turned into uh, at least 14 years, you know. And, and uh, now he's saying, send me away. And he tells uh, Laban uh, to the land that God gave to Abraham, speaking of Canaan, the land of promise, send me away to my land, you know, the land of promise. And uh, uh, his time was up. His time was up. And uh, in 27, Laban said to him, If now, if it pleases you, stay with me. I have divined that the Lord has blessed me on your account. You know, and uh, uh, here Laban kind of turns on the schmooze. He turns on the charm, knowing that God has blessed him because of Jacob's presence and service. God's uh, good hand was upon Jacob, and therefore he, Laban, had prospered. He recognized that, hey, the hand, good hand of the Lord was upon him. I got to hang on to this guy because, you know, I don't know where Laban's heart was at. Perhaps he said that, hey, this guy is a lucky charm because ever since he came, everything he touched turns to gold, and he's made me pretty, uh, he's made me pretty wealthy, has blessed me on my account, and, and he continued, name me your wages, I will give it, and uh, Laban says, you know how I have, uh, uh, you know how I have uh, uh, served you, and how the Lord has blessed, uh, how's about uh, my, uh, uh, he says, no, excuse me, name me your wages, and uh, uh, in other words, he says, hey, whatever you want, I'll pony up, I'll give it. And he said to him, you yourself know how I have served you and how your cattle have fared with me. And uh, 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 for you had little before I came. It has increased to a multitude. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. But now when shall I provide for my own household too? Hey, I know you're going to give me a bonus, Laban. I know you're going to roll me a bone. But he says, uh, the Lord's blessed you, but how about myself and my family? We've had room and board. Oh, yeah, we've had a roof over our head and some cow-cow on the table and all this and that. But not much more for my family's sake, you know. He's saying, when do we start putting away for my family? When do I start the college fund for my kids? Or, you know, think about, hey, they're going to be ready for marriage. And how are we going to do this to help them out a bit? And, uh, uh he goes on, uh, he says, uh, what shall I give to you in 31? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything uh, if you do this one thing for me. I, I will again pasture and keep your flock. Let me pasture your entire flock today, removing from there every speckled and spotted sheep and every black one among the lambs and the spotted and the speckled among the goats and, uh, and such shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later. When you come out concerning my wages, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, I will, uh, will be considered stolen. And Laban said, good, let it be according to your word. So he, he removed on that day the striped and the spotted and the male goats and all the speckled and spotted female goats, everyone with white in it and all the black ones among the sheep and gave them into the care of his sons. And he put a distance of three days journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. 
Jacob, for whatever uh, reason, feels, uh, you know, uh, excuse me, they struck a deal, not for uh, a one-time lump sum of money, for, but for a renewable resource. Uh, Jacob says that, hey, I don't want a lump sum type of money and work for you for the next so many years, but I need a renewable resource. I need something that's able to grow and to build upon and to uh, grow with the needs of my family. Uh, if, if my flocks did well, he did well too. Jacob shows his shrewdness and business acumen uh, uh, in negotiating with Laban. You can say that the, the, a lot of people have said uh, Jews are tough business people. And I think that this is where it comes from because there, there's a bit of shrewdness and a, there's a bit of good negotiating tactics and there's a little bit of thought uh, going into that, uh, uh, what kind of deal we're going to make. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white stripes in them, exposing the white with, uh, was, uh, with, which was in the rods. He set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the gutters, even in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, and they made it when they came to drink. So the flocks made it by by rods, and the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face towards the stripe, and all the black in the flock of Laban. And he put his own herds apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Moreover, when the stronger of the flock were mating, Jacob would place the flocks, place the rods in the side of the flock in the gutters, so they might mate by the rods. But when the flock was feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger uh, uh, were Jacob's. So the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Jacob, not only a, a shrewd negotiator, guys, but he was uh, a hard worker. He practiced selective breeding of the animals to where he grew his flocks, his business, his wealth, and his possession. And I, I can only say that it was God's hand upon him. God's hand was upon him when he worked for Laban. And now as, as he worked for himself, uh, he used a, a, a little bit of good wisdom and common sense in practicing the selective breeding. But in uh, chapter 31, Jacob's son heard the words of uh, Laban's, uh, Jacob heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's and from, from what belonged to our father, he has made all his wealth. Uh, Jacob saw the attitude of Laban and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives and I will be with you. Jacob's popularity waned uh, with his wife's family and now, he, uh, now hearing the instruction of the Lord, return to the land and I will be with you. And I think that, you know, at, at times, uh, guys, the principles here are sometimes uh, we got to know when to return. We got to know uh, what, what God, God's voice and what's God, God's will for our lives. And I cannot determine what God, what's God, uh, what God's will is for any one of us because at times I can barely think that, hey, God, what is your, your perfect will for us? You know, we go, we stay, we venture out, uh, we move, we minister. Uh, we turn to the right, we turn to the left. We trust that you're going to direct us and lead our path. But here is very clear, return to the land, I will be with you. 
And it was only a short period of time he was supposed to be gone. Now he's been gone for quite a few years. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field and said to them, I see your, your father's attitude that it is not friendly toward me as formerly, but the God of my father has been with me. And uh, things have not changed, uh, changed with the families, telling the wives. They are not so friendly, but God has been with us. You know, at times, uh, things aren't perfect in the world. We might be getting a lot of heat. We might be getting a lot of pressure, and I hope it's not self-imposed. I hope it's not, you know, because we we are doing something wrong or something bad that hey, we're catching this flock, and we kind of say that hey, I'm getting persecuted because of the Lord, and it's not so. But you know, here it is. Uh, 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 that you know, Jacob just recognized, and he's sharing with his wives. Things have changed, but God has been with us. And I think that when the bottom line comes down, when the when the rubber meets the road, hey, that's the only thing we can count on. That God, you've been with us through the times of difficulty, through the times of testing, through the times of trial, through the scary times, and through the times that we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. God, you've been so faithful. You've blessed us. You've kept us. And uh, even in the most times of difficulty, you know, we crawl under the shelter of your wings. I always refer back to that, that thought of the psalmist that, you know, we take cover under the shelter of his wings and he protects us and provides for us. In verse 6, he goes on and uh, he says, uh, You know, I have just served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did, allow, God did not allow him to hurt me. If he spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages. Then all the flock brought forth speckled. And if he, if he spoke thus, the striped shall be your wages. Then all the flock brought, brought forth striped. And uh, the God has taken away from your father's livestock and given them to me. And it came about at the time when the flock was mating that I lifted up my eyes and saw in my dream, behold, the male goats were mating, were striped, speckled, and spotted, and mottled. And the angel of the Lord said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. He said, lift up your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. Sometimes things don't seem to be fair, yeah, guys. Here it is, Laban had taken away, uh, Laban had changed his wages so many times and the story had changed and Laban had tried to always get on top of Jacob and get the better end of the deal. And uh, you know, it, it's, it's been like that for many years with, with God's people and now maybe with the uh, Christians too, there's some, some of that going on. Things don't seem to be fair. The Psalmist said, you know, guys, I almost stumbled. I almost slipped. I was envious of the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And you know, here again, the psalmist, he kind of took his eyes off the Lord. And he says, I almost slipped because, you know, I took my eyes off of you. I almost stumbled, Lord, because I was focusing upon these guys. And I was envious of the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And I said, Lord, you know, in his heart, he was saying, how come, Lord, how come? Why do the wicked prosper? You know, and uh, he says, pride and violence covers them. Their eyes bulge from fatness. I like that one. You know, their eyes are popping out. They're just bulging because they're so fat. 
with the, the things of the world and the things that they feed upon. They're, they're, uh, they're at ease and they have increased in wealth and, and they say, how does your God know? And you know, they say, that, hey, God don't know. They tell you, God don't know. And they throw it in your face. They're in your face like, hey, your God, God doesn't see, God doesn't know. Your God doesn't exist. Yet here God says, I have seen. I have seen. This is Psalm 73, guys. So, you know, I know that you guys figured that out. But the psalmist wrote, he says, You have taken a hold of my right hand. And like a gracious father, he grabs a hold of us. When we're at that place that we're kind of stumbling and we're almost slipping and, and we're almost going that way of uh, the world and the flesh and saying, oh, I'm filled with envy and I'm filled with jealousy because these guys, uh, they're bulging from their fatness of their, uh, their ways. And uh, he says, you have, uh, you have taken me by the right hand. You have covered me. Uh, 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 with your counsel, you will guide me, the psalmist writes. God is the strength of my heart. I have made the Lord God my refuge. You know, you can do this for extra credit, guys, Psalm 73, when you go home later tonight or tomorrow. But uh, we're going to just race towards the end of this chapter, the verse, uh, uh, getting close to it. But verse 13, he says, I am the Lord God of Bethel where you anointed a pillar, back in Genesis 31, where you made a vow to me, now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. Uh, for a few things, he says here, I am, he says, I am, the same, uh, I am the same God you met at Bethel, where you worshiped me and made your vow to me. He says, I, I, I remember that vow. I remember your worship. And he says, uh, now, now arise, leave this land, and return to your birthplace. Arise, leave, and return. And I think that that's a good word because, you know, we, we all know guys who are kind of backsliding in their heart. They're going back the, the, the way of the world. And you want to tell them, hey, uh, God says arise. God says leave this place where you're at and return to that place where you were first born again, that first place where you had all the joy and all the excitement, all the zeal that, man, God has saved me. God has rescued me. And sometimes, you know, in our own uh, uh, dullness, we get a little bit dopey. We get a little bit wise. We get a little bit smart. We get a little bit forgetful of the goodness of God. And we lose that zeal, that passion, that fire that we went once had. He says, arise, leave this place and, and return to that place. And it's kind of almost sounds like revelation. Return from the place you have fallen, you know. And uh, uh, 14, uh, 14 uh, he says, uh, Rachel said to Leah, and do we have any portion or inheritance in our father's house? And uh, are, are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and also entirely consumed our purchase price. And surely all the wealth with our God has taken away from our father belongs to us, our children. Now then, do whatever God has said to you. You know, they kind of wrote off their father too. They said that, hey, he treated us like a piece of property. You sold us away that, you know, you might become uh, enriched yourself. Uh, the sisters are now united, which is a which is an unreal thing. Can you think that from all the strife, all the uh, jealousy, all the anger, all the envy, now they, the sisters are united, feeling left out from their father's fortune. 
and uh, we want to do we, we, we want what's rightfully yours yeah of course uh, uh, but uh, we will do whatever God has told you to do hey, they were uh, good and, and, and they, they said that hey we know that we trust that God is leading you we trust that God is directing you yeah we mad at our dad because you know he sold us uh, like pieces of furniture and 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 now uh, but you know do whatever God has told you to do uh, Jacob arose put on his children his wives upon camels he drove away all his livestock and all his property which he had gathered and acquired livestock which he had gathered in Paran Aram and to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac and uh, when Laban had gone to shear his flock Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob deceived Laban by the Aramean by not telling him that he was fleeing. So he fled with all that he had, and he arose and he crossed the Euphrates River and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. And it's kind of like the prophet, yeah? He set his face like flint. He, he had one direction. He knew where he was going. He was going back to the, that promised land, the land of Canaan that the Lord had promised him. And I think that if we set our heads like flint and we, uh, 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 we set our face toward that, the, uh, that upward call in Christ Jesus, guys, we cannot go too wrong. Uh, uh, what a family, yeah? One steals, the other one flees. And, you know, uh, it's, it's all so, but hey, I like this, that Jacob would not be turned around. He set his face toward the hill country. He knew where he was headed. And I think that uh, for us guys, we know that where we are heading, uh, no matter what happens, uh, whether we go in the rapture or the Lord takes us home, whatever it might be, guys, you know, our, our, our faces are set uh, toward that upward call in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we do want to thank you, Lord. Uh, we thank you that you have focused us singly upon us, Lord, our destination, Lord. And uh, uh, one day we shall be with you for all eternity. And, you know, not until uh, you're done with us, Lord. We don't have any big wish, uh, uh, death wish or anything like drinking the Kool-Aid and all this and that. But, uh, Lord, we want to be blessed and used by you for the furtherance of your kingdom until you're, you're ready to take us home, Lord. And we, we always think back of uh, Enoch. I love Enoch. Enoch walked with you, and he was, and he was not, for God took him, Lord. And uh, what a thing it is, Lord. And we want to walk all the days of our life with you, Lord, and until you're ready to take us home, Lord. And uh, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your faithful word. And we thank you for the many precepts and principles that we see that we can glean in your word, that speak of your faithfulness, that speak of your love, and even describe of sometimes our faithlessness and our mistrust and all the things that we go through uh, uh, within our own flesh at times, Lord. And uh, yet you love us, and you realize that we but dust, Lord. Our frames are but dust, Lord. And yet you you pick us up, you brush us off, you you uh, wash us and cleanse us, and you you take us by the right hand. Even as the psalmist says, Lord, I was ready to slip. I was ready to, to stumble, Lord. And now uh, you grabbed us by the hand. And we thank you for your faithful love, Lord. And again, we thank you for your tender mercies new for us this day, Lord. And we ask, Lord God, that each and every day we might uh, uh, be walking hand in hand with you uh, until that very day that you call us home to be with you, Father. So we thank you, Lord. We praise you. Not until the last one is saved, by the way, Lord. 
uh, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.